This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. So to say that, you know, any conversations around race or culture, you're trying to get white kids to feel bad about who they are. No, we're not. But they do need to recognize that there are some privileges that come with your white skin. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So for today's essential question, is critical race theory currently being taught in K-12 schools? And if not, should CRT curriculum be adopted in K-12 education? This is part two of this conversation about CRT, and we are super excited to have a special guest with us today, Dr. Leanne Stevens. Dr. Stevens is the Minnesota Teacher of the Year from 2006. She has been an educator for 31 years with K-12 teaching and leadership experience. She currently serves as a teacher on special assignment with the St. Louis Park Schools in Minnesota as the High Achievement Program Coordinator and the Advisor for Students Organized for Anti-Racism, SOAR. She's an affiliate with the Pacific Education Group, Courageous conversations about race, an advisor for integrated schools, and she has been appointed by Governor Waltz to the Education Commission of the States, a partner with education policy leaders to address issues by sharing resources and expertise. She holds a BA in International Studies, a BS in Elementary Education, an MED in Curriculum and Instruction, and a Doctor of Education in Educational Leadership. Her scholarship focuses on the needs of black and brown students in advanced classes. We are so excited to have you join us on the show today. Yes, thank you for being here. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I have the privilege of having met Dr. Stevens um, back in 2016 when Nate got National State Teacher of the Year as well for for 2016, and I started accompanying him on a few trips. Um, And so it was a pleasure and a delight to talk with you then, um, and then just to kind of follow your work from social media and just kind of loose conversations. So we're really excited to have you talk with us today about this important topic. Definitely. and Thank you. And so just to remind the listeners, um, this is a part two of our conversation. And in our last episode, we we discussed kind of what is CRT, um, why are conservatives kind of in this uproar about CRT, what's currently happening in state legislatures, what policies are currently being passed, and, and the um, more the background and history. And, and we're really hoping that today we can really unpack um, – whether CRT is actually being taught in K-12 schools, and um, if not, what is being taught in K-12 schools, and whether um, CRT would be beneficial um, being taught in K-12. So beyond, um, before we jump fully into that conversation, um, beyond that bio, is there anything else that you think our listeners should know to kind of help frame or give context to this conversation? So, um, well, I'm at, I'm at mainly at a high school in uh, St. Well, we only have one high school. So I'm mainly at the high school <laughs> in my district. And so 
the the reason for me the reason that I have kind of studied critical race theory like I'm not a critical race theorist by any means um but I would hear the terminology I would hear like some of the tenants and I wasn't exactly sure um of really what it was all about so for me I just did my own kind of little research and then because I advise um a student organization that focuses on anti-racism, I've shared the framework, the tenets of critical race theory with them um, because it's unpacking, uh, you know, racist structures. And so I wanted them since, and you need to know what you're wanting, what you're dismantling. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's their focus is dismantling these racist practices and policies that are occurring, Mm -hmm. um, particularly in our schools. And so in order to know what to dismantle, you have to know what it looks like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then if you were to define for listeners, because our last episode, we talked about like five different definitions that are floating around, which are generally not the definitions that our people are tweeting about or being mad about. Um, In your mind, how would you define what CRT is or what the history kind of is behind this? Absolutely. So you know, whenever I talk about critical race theory, I have to like go back to Derek Bell, who's Mm -hmm. considered the father of critical race theory. And I mean, there are other like critical race theorists, right? Richard Delgado, Cheryl Harris, Harris, Kimberly Crenshaw. So there are quite a few, but it began more like as an academic movement in the mid seventies. And it looks at society and the law through um, a racial lens. Cause it's normally like it's taught in law school. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's kind of, it was like an offshoot of critical legal studies. And so then it started just to kind of move its way into higher education. And so it was established as a means for challenging dominant systems of racial oppression um, and examines unequal and unjust distribution of power and resources. And then it also, um, you know, says that there's a well-established racial hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's pretty much kind of like some basic foundation of it. Cause I really, for me, I just kind of deal with the basics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get into, I mean, there's so much to it, right? Mm-hmm. There's so like, there's so many scholarly articles out there about it, but I just focus on like the five tenets mm-hmm. of critical race theory, uh, which is permanence of racism, counter storytelling, interest convergence, critique of liberalism and whiteness as property. And so those are the five tenets that um, I focus on regarding critical race theory. And I can explain those too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's You can tell yeah. it's a follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also want to point people to, we'll, we'll, if you're comfortable, we'll link to your Twitter bio at the end of this um, and so people can follow you. But I, I found that really, I really liked how you laid that out um, on Twitter about a month ago and just kind of walking right. through some of those mm-hmm. pieces um, really succinctly and clearly. Would you mind recapping that for us? Like just no, in terms not of at all. What do each so one of those five, five tenets yeah, mean? Yeah, the five main, there are like five main tenets. And yeah. there's, there's still like other parts of critical race theory. But to me, these are like the five main tenets that I kind of focus on. The first yeah. one is permanence of racism, right? That racism is so embedded in our society that it's invisible mm. um, to most people. And so, you know, if you're, you're thinking of critical race theory, like as a theory, uh, and one of my questions then would be, so is, do you believe racism is permanent? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, th- so that's, that's the first one. And, and, and it's real interesting too, because, you know, 
there's so many examples out there that would align with this. And I, I even think of the one where California, I guess, became the first state, right, to ban hair discrimination. Yep. And so mm-hmm. the way that my hair as a Black woman grows out of my head, like there had to be a law saying you can't discriminate against hmm. yeah. me, mm, right? Yeah. Um, to me, that's an example of yeah. permanence of racism. We yeah, have right? something called a shame bell, and I was just about to grab it, and I forgot oh, I didn't man. put it on our table. Usually when we're talking about something <laughs> that's just so terrible, it's an old Game of Thrones reference. We're, we just oh, like, okay. sh- we yeah, like yeah, shame, yeah. shame the person. Shame of a horrible oh, thing. Oh, Doug's handing us the shame bell. Sorry to interrupt you, but like, yeah, exactly. Shame on on that and the fact um, that it was even a need, right? Because It was a need, said, right. And that's how, permanence. That's how there invisible go, racism can be. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think so even thinking of that, it's the it just the controversy around the Olympics banning the swim caps. Right. Like that's I, an example. It, it's a it um, is a perfect it's example. Right? Tie, it's yep. the othering. And, and I think people think that we are so far beyond or some people think that we're so far beyond this. But if we were beyond it, then we wouldn't have to have laws and policies that mm-hmm. were reversing it. Absolutely. And that's and I that's such a good example with the um, the swim caps, because whose standard is it based on? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and that's I think that's what critical race theory is talking about. It's like there's a dominant narrative yeah. out there. Yeah. There's a dominant power out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how has that been able to be sustained? Mm. Right. I, I, yeah, it makes me think of in the last episode where we were talking about there were, there's like these couple examples that are being thrown around by the far right in their arguments against CRT or, or their, their idea or their definition of CRT in the classroom, um, that it was, you know, shaming white students. And the, what we posed was, but what about how, the way that history has always been taught, how that has placed BIPOC students, black and brown students in the classroom to feel less than, to have to exist and accommodate the like the white supremacist system that schools are based around, like the harm and Mm. damage that that has done to black and brown students in the classrooms is like immeasurable. And they're Absolutely. like, they're throwing out like these six instances of teachers making white students, which is, you, it should never happen. Right. But right. it's, Absolutely. it is, it's not comparable at all. It's such a false, um, like dichotomy mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. stories to try and prove their point. Well, it's interesting because I saw, and I appreciate that. I saw there was a flyer that was put on a car in one of our, and some of the cars, I guess, in one of our elementary schools, um, in the parking lot. And, it said something about like, you know, I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing it, but in essence, you know, you need to know what's being taught in the schools. Like it's critical race theory is teaching black kids that they can't succeed and it's teaching white students to uh, feel guilty. And so I was like, wow, um, they really don't know what critical yeah. race theory yeah. is. Yeah. So as I go, yeah. so as I go through the last four tenants, so tell me if it like teaches yes. black yes. kids to, to feel like they can't succeed. Cause that's not <laughs> how I see it. No. Nope. Um, the second one is counter storytelling. Mm. And what that is, it's stories of black people and other people of color that are lived and experienced counter to the dominant narrative. Mm. So if there's a dominant narrative out there that uh, black males you know, are lazy or don't want to achieve, then what's the counter story to that? You know, and I, and I always 
I look at the, I think it's Urban Prep in Chicago. Um, I'm probably not getting the name of the school right, but it's an all black male school mm-hmm. and they like graduate hundred percent of them. And I think hundred percent of them go to college. Like that's a counter story. Yep. And so, you know, when you, I even, I think of like the Black Panthers and what was the dominant narrative about them. But the counter mm-hmm. story was that they, you know, were setting up, they served breakfast and mm-hmm. they, yeah. you know, so in other like community things that they did. And so that's what counter storing is. Mm. Like, how do I, how do I counter this dominant narrative of mm-hmm. negativity and, mm-hmm. and stereotypes mm-hmm. about me, mm-hmm. right? Like as a Black woman, like I'm supposed to, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much categorized as either hypersexual, asexual, and angry. Um, but nobody talks about, you know, our impact on voter registration. Nobody talks right. about, mm-hmm. you know, our the, how many college degrees um, Black women hold. And so, yeah. so that's what that so is, many. right? Yeah. Um, interest convergence. That one talks about how, like, uh, people of color and Black people achieve civil rights victories only when white um, people and people of color interests converge. Mm -hmm. So in other words, Mm -hmm. those victories occur when white people can benefit. Mm -hmm. And there are, you know, several examples. A prime example would be, it was in like, so March of 1991, it was like March 19th, 1991, NFL owners voted to remove the 1993 Super Bowl from Phoenix mm. because the Arizona voters failed to make Martin Luther King Jr. Day a holiday. And I, you know, and I think people think that it's always been around. I mean, there was a fight. Yeah. There were some states that just held out to the bitter end, right? Yeah. And so, um, and because of that, the venue was changed. Phoenix uh, area, like they lost between 200 and $250 million in revenue because of that. And so that following year, uh, the holiday was again placed on the ballot and 62, it was a 62% approval. And then Arizona recognized Martin Luther King Day. And then in 1996, they got the Super Bowl. But that wouldn't have occurred had they not lost money. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. And so those interests can, there was some interest convergence going on there. And so that's what, uh, and I also think of the Montgomery bus boycott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that ended because those white folks, those, the bus company was losing mm-hmm. so much money, right? so much money. Interests need to be converged there. And then critique of liberalism uh, and this, I think this is one that people get stuck on too, because they're like, but liberals are so amazing. But anyway, um, so <laughs> they, they recycle. the claims of, of neutrality, <laughs> equal opportunity, mm-hmm. colorblind justice, and meritocracy mm-hmm. in our society, right? And so, um, you know, justice is not color. We're not, it's colorblindness is not like a good thing. So for someone, because people would tell me, they come and say, I don't see yeah. Your color, I just right. see you. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. wow, because I see my color every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and society forces me to see my color, right? Because right? yeah. I have to check boxes all the time, acknowledging mm-hmm. my race. And so that's the thing. It's like, mm, well, we don't want to see race. Mm. We don't want that to impact our policy, but it plays out every day mm-hmm. like the lived experiences of my color is playing out in society all the time yes. and so um y- there's no being you can't be neutral mm. 
And I you, think you, that you, that's what the far right, like that, or what the the counter arguments to CRT, I feel like that's what they're trying to like, that's the hill they're wanting to die on mm-hmm. is this idea of colorblindness, right? Like we shouldn't be teaching CRT to our students. We shouldn't be teaching racism because like- Even talking race, about racism. Even talking yeah. about racism. Like we shouldn't be because it's like, oh, it's corrupting our children. The only students- that are going to have a shocking experience talking about racism in the classroom are white students. Like, mm-hmm. like, right? Like, the, <laughs> I just, I feel like all other students are, like, all uh, BIPOC convers- students are having, having conversations those conversations already. already. Yeah. They're aware oh, of it. Constantly. 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 Yeah. Like, the only students that they're, like, fighting to protect are sheltered white students that, like, have never had to think about yeah. race before. And that's what it is. And right, they and haven't had the, to think about yeah. it. And that's the problem. That's why it needs to be talked about in classrooms, in my opinion. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, also, this this last one mm. is one I think that really gets people too. Okay, so whiteness is property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I take this from um, critical race theorist Cheryl Harris. And so, according to her, it's assumptions, privileges, and benefits associated with identifying as white that those are valuable assets that white people seek to protect. So, and Mm. she further argues that those benefits have been protected legally. Mm -hmm. So property includes the rights of ownership, Mm -hmm. use, and exclusion. And so whiteness as a concept is based on power relations. Mm -hmm. Um, It's based on white dominance of people of color. And so there's so many examples, right? Redlining, um, Mm -hmm. neighborhood covenants are examples of whiteness as property. Even now Mm -hmm. with... um, the cannabis culture. Mm, yes. You know, yes. Oh, speak on that. We're, we're, we're in Washington state. So yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Like who gets now, who yes. gets to own these oh dispensaries. Yes. Yep. Um, and you know, I often think of like when we hire, like we don't have one in our district, but like districts will hire directors of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But if you don't need anybody for inclusion, if you haven't been excluding. Hey, right? yeah. say that again. Yep. And so, um, so that's important to, to look at that. You know, we look at our gifted and talented classes, mm-hmm. our advanced placement classes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some whiteness of property going on in, in those spaces. Yeah. Like, who are we allowing, you know, to be in those spaces? Um, and who do we, you know, tend to exclude mm-hmm. or say that, the, you know, this, these spaces aren't for you. You don't belong here. Um, and so those are the five main Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes me think of something that um, I always heard Nate say when because so I was Nate's student teacher and then worked really closely with him my first year of teaching. And he always said, if your AP program doesn't look like the rest of your school, your AP program is racist. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it's like even in highly diverse schools th- that you see, you can see the cracks in that um, that Absolutely. school system yeah. by looking at their the demographics of their advanced placement classes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And so when I'm having these conversations, so with my students organized for anti-racism, because that's basically where I'm having uh, these conversations with them. And I'm like, so where is it showing up? So asking them, where are you mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. examples of this? And I know one of the students asked me, they're like, well, why is this considered a theory? if I see it playing out, and this was a white student who asked me that, mm-hmm, and yeah. if I see it playing out in society, and I said, well, that's a really good question. And I left it like that. <laughs> um, because I don't always need to give answers. Sure. Like I really 
to me, when I think of this, I think of like, how do I get students Mm -hmm. to think critically? Mm -hmm. How do I get them to ask questions Mm -hmm. and then also want to then do some research of their own? Right. Right? And so, um, so is this, so many, is this being taught in K-12 schools as far as like critical race theory, like it's being taught in law school or whatever? No, it's not. It's not. Okay. Um, Hold that thought for one second, because we're going to take a quick break. But I, so you are teaching it. I do. I want to clarify for listeners. You are teaching it because you are specifically teaching a group of high school students that are in a program designed to talk about these things, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it's not just like you're a, whatever, general ed classroom teacher in, integrating right. it into your stuff. No, it's a specific organization, Students right. Organized for Anti-Racism. Right. And do students elect to be in that class or how's that? They choose. Cool. So it's an organization where... They would love for it to be a class. It's not necessarily a class, but there's a lot of teaching that goes on. Cool. But um, no, yeah, they choose to be a part of it. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that for listeners if they were a little bit confused. Um, Okay, let's take a quick break and then come back and we'll talk about all your takes on whether or not it's actually happening in standard K-12. Hi, Hope. Hey, Megan. So how's life in Abu Dhabi? Uh, Hot, sunny, sandy, and 99 degrees. (laughs) Ooh, the exact opposite here in Tacoma. Cold, cloudy. And really wet. (laughs) Well, this is part of the fun of living overseas. I mean, it is amazing teaching abroad, as you know. I can't say enough about the experience being in a different place for an extended period of time, experiencing a variety of cultures. I'm in the best of both worlds. I love my job and I have amazing opportunities. Man, my jealousy is growing. So I actually have a coworker who's interested in teaching abroad and I was telling them about your and Nate's experience. If she wants to teach abroad, what should she do? That's actually easy. She should go to searchassociates.com and start her search today. Search Associates works with 800 schools in 125 countries, so there are many, many places to choose from depending on our interests. Whew, that is a lot of options. Is it overwhelming? Not at all. The awesome thing about it is when you sign up using Search Associates, you are assigned an associate who works directly with you to get to know your interests and what you're looking for, and they'll help you find the perfect fit. It couldn't be easier. More than 40,000 highly qualified teachers, administrators, counselors, librarians, interns, and other educators have used Search Associates to find positions in top K-12 international schools. Wait, wait, wait. So any teacher can sign up? Yes, emphasis on any. Search Associates is committed to finding placements for teachers of diverse backgrounds. They're doing the work internally as an organization and also within the international schools community. They want to use their position to influence changes at schools they work with as well and support diverse candidates in those schools. You know, that's a really great approach. It is. So if you're ready to make that move, come across the world, come overseas, do what Nate and I did and trust the expert guidance of Search Associates. To start your journey, visit searchassociates.com. Thank you, Search Associates, for helping us live our dream and teach abroad. And thank you for your support of this podcast. All right. So we're back and um, we're going to hear Dr. Stevens' opinion upon, upon, as she kind of hinted at right before we took the break, whether or not critical race theory is actually being taught in K-12. So what do you think? I don't think it is. I mean, I'm not in every single K-12 school in the United States of America. Fortunately, but, that sounds um, tiring. As far as I know, it's not being taught. I mean, there are quite a few teachers who couldn't even explain the foundation of it or the tenants yes. um, themselves. So they're definitely not teaching that 
in their in their classrooms. So and it's, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying. So in your mind, um, just for clarification, in your mind, if you're teaching CRT, if people were actually teaching CRT, they would be going through the tenets. They would be unpacking those that framework. They would be applying that then to like their content. So if I'm a PE teacher, I'm like looking at that framework through a physical education lens. Maybe if right. I'm is that hypothetically kind of like kind of what you think? If if people were actually teaching, what would that actually look like? Yeah, if they were teaching it, I think that they would be breaking down those tenets and then having students, um, I guess, you know, to me, like elaborate, find examples mm-hmm. of where um, they see it showing up in our in our schools and their community and their um, in society in general. And so I don't see that occurring, you well, know, and I, yeah. you know, I was a coach. I was in classrooms constantly. Yeah. Uh, for five years, I I didn't see that happening. It, what's interesting is, so um, in our previous episode, I, I kind of talked on how I teach components of critical race theories, right? So I teach about systemic racism. We unpack that in the classroom. We look at how race has impacted historical decisions and choices that have been made. Um, previously, we look at how Um, the existence of slavery impacted our governmental structures and things like that. But I got to be really honest with our listeners. I had never heard the term critical race theory before this whole like debate started happening. And so in my mind, I'm like, as I've learned more about it, as you even I've learned something just listening to you in the first half of this episode, I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I do some of that. I do some of that. But I don't like I do not sit down and explicitly teach the five tenets of critical race theory. And so in my um, practice, I'm like. Am I teaching critical race theory? Um, and I'm still kind of grappling with that. I And I, the more I listen and hear and learn, the more I'm like, well, no, I'm not teaching right. critical race theory. I am teaching my students to think critically about the systems they exist in. But I'm not Absolutely. explicitly teaching critical race theory. Absolutely. And I think the hullabaloo, really, to me, it's more of the fact that we're having conversations in the classrooms about racial equity, mm, racial right. identity, mm-hmm. right? Like um, we're trying to, you know, center all of our students and and bring in like their cultures and their identities and, and how do those impact their the instruction and the learning environment, right? And so right. how do I make this space uh, one where it just doesn't focus on the dominant culture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in my in my classroom Mm -hmm. and so that's what I think I think people are getting confused I think they're thinking oh you know so CRT you know because also there's culturally relevant teaching there's culturally responsive teaching which is also a CRT (laughs) I I know we right (laughs) so I just have a hard time with acronyms let's just lump it all together I mean basically what we don't want to do is we don't want to teach the truth we don't want (laughs) to teach right the truth about our, our country. Mm. And here's my thing. Like, I love the United States of America. I yep. don't want to live anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But I also have the right to critique yep. the United States of yes. America. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not I'm not trying to mess with people's heritage. I think it's I think people are like feeling like, you know, it's my heritage that's on the line or something. Yeah. And it's like, you know, your heritage and history don't necessarily have to align. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I think that's that's the big piece of it. Hmm. I remember going into a classroom and, you know, his, I, I, to me, I feel like in your in your classroom, like students really should know who's in the space. Yep. Um, I need to know who you are in order for me to be able to teach you effectively. That's my belief. Mm-hmm. And so I would go in as a coach, I would go in and lead some discussions and have like students talk about like where they're, you know, how they got their name or mm-hmm. they would talk with each other um, or like, tell me what you love about your culture. And the white students would just kind of be like, they, they would be stumped because somehow they're convinced that they don't have a culture. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I had to explain, I was like, so no, let's, let's, you know, really kind of those shallow aspects of a culture, you know, how do you, what, what are your traditions? Like, how mm-hmm. do you, how do you celebrate? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your family beliefs? You know, that kind of thing, like getting yeah. them to think they're just like, Oh, you know, then that kind of turned a light bulb on. Mm-hmm. And so what I, so to say that, you know, any conversations around race or culture, you're trying to get white kids to feel bad about who they are. Nope, we're not. But they do need to recognize that there are some privileges that yep. come with your yep. white skin, yep. right? Whether whether you are conscious of it or not, there are some privileges that come. And I just think to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. 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 So if you were to lay out clearly the difference between the, the two CRTs, culturally responsive teaching um, and – wow, what a critical, critical race, race theory. theory. Why did I just forget all of a sudden? <laughs> all the jargon and acronyms um, of education. What would be the simplest way you'd explain it? Because we have a lot of listeners who are educators, but we have some who aren't. And people are good thinkers. So, But if you were to say like the biggest difference between those two things, what would you say they are? To me, I would say the culturally you know, responsive teaching, culturally relevant uh, – Teaching to me is inter- it's when you're interweaving like with students' cultural identities, racial identities, um, into your classroom, mm. mm-hmm. and uh, you know making sure that they're being seen mm-hmm. and they get to see themselves in the curriculum um, as well as your white students. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I see. That you know the critical uh, race theory is really just examining. Uh, structures of of power and dominance in our society Mm -hmm. and what, you know, and how that plays out. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so to me, those are the kind of basic Mm -hmm. differences, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So then, oh, go go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. So, you know, my thing is there's always some fear, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this just kind of aligns with some fear, and some fear of what what am I having to give up? So if yes. I'm acknowledging that racism exists, and if I'm benefiting from it, um, so if we're, if we're moving to dismantle it, or so what what am I as a white person like? What what am I losing? You know, it's, I think it's always that piece of it. Mm-hmm. What am I going to lose? Yep. Um, and it also causes some cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Oh, right? absolutely. Like, I've held on to something for so long. And now you're telling me that some of these things that I thought were true may not necessarily be true. Mm-hmm. So now I have to grapple with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at... Um change theory so when you study the way that the human mind has to go through change both like 
um, personally, but also like systemically. Yeah, you have to like in order to create sustainable change, somebody has to deal with that dissonance of absolutely. It's it's an acceptance that by changing, you are not. Um, you're not tearing apart your past. Like you're not, it's not evil. It's not awful, especially if it's from your family, right? That by kind of changing and evolving, you are not necessarily, um, I I can't like think of the correct words, but like, it's not that your parents were evil. It's not that your family was evil. Mm -hmm. It's not that, Mm -hmm. right. It's an acceptance that everybody does the best that they can with what they have. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, hopefully. Um, And so changing doesn't necessarily mean that you're saying that like your family was awful or evil or your heritage or your culture or your community is awful and terrible. But that's a really hard um, hurdle to get over for people. Yeah, it is. You know, it's so funny because I often think about how we teach about the Holocaust Mm, and right, mm -hmm. like, you know, always remember, always remember Right. Yep. Because you don't want to repeat it. But then when it comes to other things that are happening, you know, so we don't want to talk about uh, the truth, you know, about slavery or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we want to pretend because I remember when statues, I was in high school, right? Or different leaders, whatever. We don't want to talk about the bad side of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't. Right. Um, but if we don't, we're going to continue to perpetuate that. Yeah. in society. It, it's this really fascinating, it's like really interesting yeah. part of it where it's, yeah, the the statues and the um, names of schools, yeah. I mean, that or are people changing. getting really into certain books that they always have to teach or certain, yeah. you know, um, historians that you always have to teach or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I'm, not, I'm like, when you start knowing better than you, you do, yes. you do better. Exactly. You do better. And it's, right? Yes. And it's, I, I think, I really do think that Parents are feeling like, oof, when I, when I talk about race, if they've never talked about race or racism or systemic racism or if they've, if they've never felt the difference of looking at racism from an academic standpoint versus just a societal standpoint, right. it feels um, really hard and for a lot of white parents, I think. And it feels really uncomfortable and they feel bad and they feel defensive. And we said, I said this in the last episode, it's like they want to protect their children from having to feel that. And they can't wrap their minds around how racism can be talked about in a way that does not elicit guilt or shame right. in white Absolutely. students. And, and so this kind of moves into the next question I really want to ask is, you know, you're saying that it's not being taught in, in K-12 education right now. But in your opinion, do you think that it should be? Actually, I think it should be taught maybe in uh, like a senior seminar, mm-hmm. you know, so before uh, seniors leave high school, mm-hmm. that's a class that they that they have mm-hmm. um, and not. I mean, that's kind of like, that's my perspective. And I, and the reason I say that now is because of so much of the misinformation. I might not have said that a while ago, Mm, um, but because there's so much misinformation about it, I'm like, so maybe they need, they should be taught. But I would say if, if if anybody were uh, going to be learning it, then maybe it'd be seniors in high school before they, particularly those who are going to move on to higher education. 
Yeah, it's an interesting um, suggestion there because I'm thinking about if kids are getting in K-12 are getting, you know, exposure to conversations about race expo- amidst other conversations, mm-hmm. right, about uh, whatever it may be, um, thinking about that uh, trajectory of, like, mental growth and emotional and all, and social and all those pieces. I, I do like your point about upperclassmen or seniors, like, before they head out, then getting, like, an official theory base, you know, or exploring a theory. Because it's almost like – it almost reminds me of, like, a college prep class then um, or right. some of the theories that you get into, like, in some of those upper division junior, senior level um, high school classes as well. Absolutely. Um, inter- but, I mean, for most mm-hmm. of, it's, it's taught in law school. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, and and here's what's interesting to me. I'm hearing so much of what uh, people are against, right? Mm. So I'm like, well, what are you for? Yeah, Mm. there you go. Mm -hmm. You know, so what what is it? Um, What do you what are you for? What do you want to see? Do you you know, do you want to see racism eradicated? Mm. And if you do, how how do we go about doing that? Because if we're not having conversations about it, you know, then it's not, I mean, we got to start with that, right? Mm, and I right. also think about, so, you know, Juneteenth was made mm-hmm. an official holiday. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. Folks can't see your facial expression, but yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's all, like, all the yeah. things. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I don't know who asked for that. Maybe somebody did. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, but then you don't want us to talk about how it led up to that, but <laughs> yeah. it's a yeah. holiday. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I got, I gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It, there's so much like stupid <laughs> asinine, like racist foolishness happening right now in the media of just people not knowing what they're talking about. People like leaning into like the buzzwords and Absolutely. I, I just, and I'm hearing like the gamut, right. Where I'm hearing um, people on the far right that, slavery should only be taught as though it was like a flawed economic system. And, and that's what they're moving towards in like some, so ring the bell. (laughs) It's to other people being like, well, no, it's like, we can't keep focusing on it. Right. As you were just talking, it's like the way to get rid of racism is you just top, stop focusing on race. Right. Like the, the colorblind, like BS, Mm. just it. And, I don't know about you guys, but a, a significant problem has never been solved by ignoring it. <laughs> I, I don't know who needs to go to therapy because you learn in therapy, you know, that shoving things deep down and not yeah. dealing with them only makes the problem bigger. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also believe, like, if you keep repeating mm. a lie, right? Yeah. Um, or a falsehood or whatever, just keep repeating it in so many different ways and so many different avenues and so then people are going to latch on to that. I mean, I've seen like uh, some like video footage mm-hmm. of people saying like having signs, you know, how they're like against critical race theory. But then when you they're asked what it is, well, they don't really know. Mm-hmm. But they're still against it. And I mm-hmm. just like, wow. Yeah. Well, we, and we were discussing, um, Megan and I were just discussing about, like, is talking, the less sometimes gets caught up in definitions, right? And especially mm-hmm. we end up, like, arguing about definitions um, and trying to be, you know, whatever. Really cerebral about right? it. Right, whereas yeah. the right tends to just, like, you know, put some things to the side or really make it super simple. And so we were kind of talking about, is spending time defining it worth our time and energy 
you know, and, and but because also like people, like you said, people are just holding up signs, people are just saying stuff they don't even know what they're talking about. So, of course, as an English teacher, I'm like, yes, define things like people need. Um, but do you think there's anything else that we need to be doing in terms of helping shape the conversations mm-hmm. around these? Because, mm-hmm. you know, people are having these conversations, whether it's I think, at you know, no one hangs out at the cooler or water cooler anymore Absolutely. because COVID. But, you know, <laughs> in the conversations people are having, what do you think right. are there things that we should be looking into more or thinking more about? You know, and so for me, I think really it's what is really happening? Mm -hmm. What do I know that's really happening in the classroom with our students? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how who's who's achieving? Who are we holding high expectations Mm -hmm. for and Mm -hmm. who are we not holding Mm -hmm. high expectations for? Right. Um, Who are we expecting excellence from Mm -hmm. in mediocrity? Mm-hmm. Or, from, or who are we just expecting, you know, it's fine if you just pass. You know, I think to me, though, that's more of what's being taught, right? Like, for me, like, how is how is learning occurring? Not just schooling, right? right? But what learning is occurring in the classroom? How is my child uh, becoming a critical thinker? Someone who's mm-hmm. able to ask questions, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's, that's so important to be able to come ask questions and, and problem solve. Right. So to me, like, that's where the focus really needs to be. Um, and offering multiple perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like I can off, I can offer the story of, so I'm going to offer the story of Christopher Columbus. Okay. Let's offer that story. And then let's talk about the counter story to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so let's look at both mm-hmm. and let, and then let's kids come up with like their own thoughts and their and maybe, and some are still holding on to that. There are people who still, well, you want to still hold on to it? It's fine. But yeah. here are some counter uh, perspectives mm-hmm. yeah. to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I think when I think when we don't honor like multiple perspectives in our, in our classroom, that's where uh, the problem occurs. And I yeah. feel like these are people who are fighting against multiple perspectives, right? right? Like right. we want one story, yeah, and that's it. And also, like it's just telling a more holistic history absolutely it's like when I talk about it in my classroom I'm not there's no like um agenda it's just giving the whole picture right that what what killed reconstruction the compromise of 1877 right it was about the presidency and so it was a compromise between the north and the south the north got to have the president and the south got to have the federal um, the National Guard taken out of the South that it was enforcing the reconstruction, the amendments, right? It lasted 12 years. That's not that's not an agenda. That is that is literally just teaching yeah. facts. And when I teach my seniors about the compromise of 1877, their minds are blown because they've right. never heard of that before. They never knew about that. They never knew that that had happened, that that existed. Mm-hmm. Um And so all of a sudden there's this like paradigm shift where they look at those that narrative of the Civil War and they fought to end slavery and and right like all of that. And all of a sudden their reality, their knowledge base expands to where then they can think about, well, why did these men make the choices Mm -hmm. and decisions that they did? And I say men very specifically because let's be it was white men that were (laughs) in that room in the back room making the secret compromise. Right. Right. And so it's like I just think of it as no, they're just learning more. Mm. That's what it is to me. It's it's 
it's learning. It definitely is learning. Right. And I think, I don't know if the, if they want the focus to be on schooling, Hmm. I mean, so then I'm just going to regurgitate, you know, what information you spew, whatever, but do we really like the learning, you know, that's to me, that's what we need to be focusing on. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Like tell me that whole, that whole story, you know, like even we think that, uh, Brown versus board, like how that was, you know, the way that I learned it was this amazing decision, Yes, but nobody talked about the 40, almost 40,000 black educators Mm -hmm. who lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? And so if I, if I, if I teach that part of it as well, um, so are people going to be mad, you know, that they're going to say, oh, you're, you're against integration or whatever. Um, there's, there's a complete story. There's a whole story yes. that we tend to miss out mm-hmm. on. And it does, it's not wrapped up in a pretty bow and that's okay no. because yeah, history, history just is like, right. we cannot go back in time and change the events of what happened. All we can do is learn more and read more and, create a more clear picture of what took place so that we can better understand why it took place so we can understand human behavior. Mm. Right. So because you were never taught, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Also that. Exactly. That's true too. (laughs) Exactly. That's so true. Just because you ignore it. That's what I feel like. is are like, well, why are we teaching that? Well, because it happened. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it like yeah. you, but it ha- like that is just. I love what that answer. Happened. I'm just going to use it. Just it that's what happened. Yeah. But like, but you know, it happened. Yeah. Um, if people want to read more of your work and listen to you more and reach out to you or just connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh. They can She's follow like, me never. on Twitter, mtoy. So m n t o y two thousand six, um, or they can email me. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Yeah, we can do uh, Leanne Stevens 5 at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so as we wrap up, and I didn't mean to like abrupt, abrupt oh, there. Yeah. I thought that was I, a, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we could talk about this forever. We could talk forever <laughs> to you. Like this conversation is fascinating. As we wrap up, we have kind of two wrap up mini segments. Um, one is called Champagne and Real Pain. Champagne for my real friends. Real pain for my sham friends. So in this segment, which we actually haven't done in a little while, we want to raise a glass to people that are doing good work, either related to our topic or just out there that you want to kind of shout out. And then also anyone that you want to shade, shame, et cetera. That's also the second half. Um, So for me, (laughs) related to this topic, I was thinking about champagne is um, I was doing some reading around just the way that NEA and AFT have responded, teacher union organizations. And just, um, I think in alignment with our conversation today, just pushing back to say like, no, this is not what's being taught. Mm -hmm. And having conversations about race and inequality doesn't mean you're teaching this and also like stop being so fragile. And so I think I really appreciate the way that um, different um, teacher organizations are responding and and trying to shape the narrative and, and offer some clarity. So I'll raise my figurative glass to those folks. Yes, I, I'll just echo that. Um, I read the article about the teachers unions that are like, we will defend any teacher that is teaching accurate history. Because that's all it is, right? That's, that's what's happening what it is. In it's accurate, it's history. accurate history. So raising a glass toasting to the teachers' unions having teachers' backs. Uh, do you have a glass? Uh, do you have a glass? Do you have anybody <laughs> that you'd like to raise a glass to, either doing well, good work or you know, else? yeah, just for me, I just want to raise a glass to um, educators out there 
who are courageous enough to stand in their mm-hmm. truth and their mm-hmm. purpose, right? And so, um, and to understand that really when we make sure that our most underserved students are getting what they need, then we all benefit from it. Mm. Everybody benefits. And mm-hmm. so for those educators who are hanging in there and really <laughs> and understanding that, you know, that they're teaching the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So. Raise a glass. All right. For shame, I want to shame. There we go. Um, Real pain to recently I stumbled across. And for those of you that listen to uh, this channel, you probably heard in some of the other podcasts. um, We have some local folks running in a a neighboring school district um, who are running over there. And they're essentially putting out two false premises Mm -hmm. in in their campaign. So kind of to your point earlier, like, what are people running against? But also, like, what are you for? If you're just against everything you're for, what are you for? And so there are two things there on their flyer. It's, Mm -hmm. like, so absurd. But they have an absurd statement about CRT, critical race theory, um, shaming kids and shaming kids about race. And then they have this like convoluted MLK quote, you know, that's about moral character and it's just messed up. And then also they added also um, some, <laughs> some another stance that they have is against comprehensive sex education. And so in Washington State, for those of you that are plugged in with what's happening here, you know, we've had some legislation pass around that. And it does not mean kids are confused sexually. It does not mean that kids are getting inappropriate things at early grade levels that they shouldn't be. Um, and so I just thought it was so weird and also shame on you guys for putting two like not truths and like misrepresentations of what actually either of those things are on your flyer to be like, vote for us, vote for us. So shame and on them. And then using like an MLK quote yeah, to like perpetuate you your, your like real shitty stances. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> it's it's so worst. bad. It's I'll, so bad. I'll send you a screenshot if you want, but um, it's, it's annoying. So my, my shame, 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 shame goes to, I'm not going to say his name because I just don't care to give him any more publicity. But a certain public figure on Twitter yesterday was talking all about how and then went on Tucker Carlson um, about how there should be cameras in the classrooms that parents can access in order to watch the teachers and students and keep an eye on what teachers are teaching their kids. Um, essentially, <laughs> like got time for that. Essentially, also, right. Essentially People advocating for like body cams for teachers to like regulate and police their um, what they teach. Um, but, um, just, you know, just shame on that because my take on all of this is like, if you never, like I tweeted this yesterday, if you like never gave a shit about like data driven best practices in the classroom before COVID and this conversation around critical race theory, like you don't get to have a conversation with me who has devoted years of my life, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in degrees, um, when talking about best practices in the classroom, like go this hard then for lower classroom sizes, mm-hmm. go this hard for, um, fair pay, I mean, fair pay, the country, yeah. go this hard for Right. Like you don't get right. to just like, like you're really showing your racism. If the only time that you care about education is to not have, um, race or racism discussed in the classroom. Right. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And for those of who want cameras that we had cameras this mm-hmm. whole last year. Yeah. So <laughs> if you didn't know, if you didn't know what was That's going true. on in your child's classroom, well, shame on you. Shame on you. Because those cameras were right there. Oh my so gosh, that's so good. Seen, that's so true. You could have seen all the critical race theory that was being taught. Oh, that is. Uh, <laughs> 
That yes. is the greatest. Yes. yes. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Final so, say. No, shame wait, on them. Do you have any shame? Yeah, okay. That's, that's your shame. shame. That's your shame. shame. I was yes. like, that's a that's mic it. That's perfect. That's a mic. We can just wrap up the episode right now. I mean. <laughs> Final segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. So this is um, the segment where we kind of leave our listeners with some homework if they want to do some further learning um, around the topic that we discussed today. If they want to kind of dive deeper beyond this conversation, we kind of leave our listeners with something. So Hope, what is your homework for everybody today? I will say go out and go listen to our part one of this topic um, where Megan and I argue, discuss, wrestle with... um, understanding uh, critical race theory. Um, and then I also will say there's a couple other episodes coming out on this topic or have, that have come out that mm-hmm. are related to this topic um, in the 253 channel. So I'm going to link to those as well. And so you can get kind of a holistic picture and think about just the different angles. Um, I know part of the conversations um, Nate's having on Nerd Farm podcasts are really around teacher censorship um, and just some of the implications politically around what happens when you have policies in your district um, around these kinds of conversations. So check those out. And then also, of course, course, please go. I, we're going to link to a, a number of articles that Dr. Stevens has written. You're and stealing I, my homework. Oh, is it? Okay, go. That go is ahead. my homework. I miss Sorry, that I'm um, <laughs> so All the Dr. Homework. Stevens. So, like, truly, my homework was going to be. I got lost in a lot of your like articles and interviews that you've done, um, and I was going to say, go read those. I, I, the the one that I really. Um, loved was are we too focused on how black boys act to know who they really are that one um i loved and then oh my gosh what was the name of the podcast that you did last year i listened to that it's um oh i can't remember oh the name. with um sheldon yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh with leading okay. equity it was a leading, leading the leading mix equity. of BIPOC yes leading equity in so that that conversation was great that's another podcast that you can go um listen to dr stevens about but i listened to that last night as well and um I kind of went down the rabbit hole of just kind of reading your work, and it was fantastic. So, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. Do you have any yeah. homework you want to assign our listeners? <laughs> you know what? I just my whole thing is have have the conversations, no matter what they look like. Like, don't use that as an excuse that you don't you might make mistakes or say the wrong things because our kids are having these conversations. Yeah. I'm I'm hearing them. You mm-hmm. know, our kindergartens understand. Our kindergartners understand. Mm. Uh, racial identity. Yep. Mm-hmm. So don't think that they're not seeing it. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you again for yeah, taking the time, you so um, your energy, all of your effort, and and helping make us better people. So thank you thank so much. You. Yeah, thank you. Did you know Channel Two Five Three is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel 253com slash membership and join. Thank you. The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.